Hey everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm your host, Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I connect with PMMs all over the world about a product marketing topic of their choice. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Mark Huber, Head of Brand and Product Marketing at Metadata. Mark has held a variety of roles throughout his career, starting first in consulting at Accenture, before jumping into marketing across a variety of disciplines, including marketing ops and demand gen. Now, in his first official product marketing role, Mark is taking the lead on all things brand and product marketing, two areas that he believes must work in harmony with one another. At Metadata, Mark and his team are helping their clients scale their demand generation campaigns, letting them spend more time on strategy, targeting, creative, and experimentation, all while getting to revenue faster. In my chat with Mark, we explore the relationship between brand and product marketing, and why Mark believes they need to be closely linked. We also talk about Metadata's recent partnership announcement with Ava Gerhardt, and how he's helping them shape their new strategic narrative. I really enjoyed my conversation with Mark, and I'm sure you will too. Now, before I get to the episode, I've got some exciting news to share from the Product Marketing Alliance. Are you wondering how to align the product marketing function at your organization? Do your internal teams have little or no understanding of what product marketing is and the benefits you bring to the fore? Are you sick of being misunderstood? Product Marketing Alliance's brand new book, Misunderstood, features firsthand knowledge, techniques, and case studies to help you demystify product marketing, elevate the function, and gain the recognition you and your fellow PMMs deserve. Learn how to effectively communicate the value you bring to key processes such as positioning, personas, segmentation, OKRs, and gain supplementary intel from the likes of Privy, G2, Hotjar, Intercom, Zendesk, Adobe, and Drift. Misunderstood is packed with takeaways that'll propel the value of your role and the overall importance of the PMM function, and it's not to be missed. Get your copy at pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. All right, with that out of the way, let's do it. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? Good, thanks. Really appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Likewise. Well, let's get right into it then. Uh, I'm curious if you wouldn't mind giving our listeners a brief overview of your career so far and what it is you do at Metadata. Uh, uh, you get the sigh because it's kind of, kind of an interesting path, I would say. Uh, I started out at a, a digital marketing agency that was acquired by Accenture, uh, and I stuck around for about a year and a half and worked with 280,000 of my closest friends, realized I never wanted to do something like that ever again, was thankful for the experience, and then jumped into the startup world. And then ever since then, uh, I've worked at a couple of different tech companies uh, and a couple of different uh, startups at different stages uh, and like backing. So I've worked at, you know, uh, a bootstrap startup. I've worked at, a, you know, fairly well-funded startup. I've worked at an incredibly funded startup and it's brought me an interesting perspective to kind of see what has worked and what hasn't worked. And then I've kind of been zagging around a little bit just in terms of where I've focused in B2B marketing. So I kind of got my start, uh, I'd say as like more of a marketing athlete, if you will. Uh, got into marketing operations, uh, tapped out once it was getting too technical for me, moved over to demand gen, and then uh, took a head of growth role uh, at Metadata. And then now I'm in the brand and uh, product marketing role. I love that. I, I, you're the first person I've heard use that analogy of a marketing athlete. I think oftentimes we, we say marketing generalist, but I like that, that spin on it. Is there a reason why you kind of lean into that analogy a little bit more? Yeah, because I, uh, it's funny, you're kind of encouraging me to, to get on my soapbox here. So I'm going to get on for two seconds. So uh, it might be longer than that. So I think people love to throw shade at marketing generalists. I think it has this negative connotation and it really isn't at the end of the day. I think there's a time and a place for that. And I think as an athlete, 
it's, you know, I hate using sports analogies in the workplace, but I think it works well here because, you know, you have to be just competent in so many different areas. And oftentimes like you have no experience in it, but as long as you have kind of that right attitude and personality that you can go figure it out, you know, uh, a week from now or two weeks from now or whatever the time frame is, like, I think it's a, a much better uh, way to describe the types of marketers that you need, especially at early stage companies when you're doing so many different things. Totally. Yeah. I, I can see that perception that I'm sure a lot of people outside of marketing have when the term marketing generalist gets thrown around. It's someone mm -hmm. who can be perceived to be you know, good at a lot of different things, but great at very few. Whereas I think the way mm -hmm. that you've positioned an athlete, they are someone who's skilled, deeply skilled in a lot of different areas, despite mm -hmm. them potentially not having the background knowledge from day one to be at that level, but eventually they get there as an athlete would. So I love that analogy. Yep. I'll definitely have to lean into that a little bit more. <laughs> awesome. Well, I've got another question um, that's kind of a little bit outside of our, our topic yeah. of conversation today. Uh, and that's, you know, recently I saw on LinkedIn that uh, Metadata announced a partnership with David Gerhardt. And for those mm -hmm. of you who don't know who that is, I'd be surprised at this point. He's very active in the B2B market space. <laughs> I think he just also just uh, launched a, a book. Um, so shout out to David for that work there. Um, but yeah, the announcement was that uh, Metadata is partnering with him and bringing him in as an advisor. Uh, I'm curious how that relationship came about and, and what that relationship uh, is going to look like if you're able to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd love to share. So one, I'm, I'd say probably one of the biggest DG fanboys there is, uh, not that he needs a book promo, but uh, <laughs> I've got this right here. Uh, I'm reading it this weekend, but uh, how this came about. So I was, uh, I use this word uh, intentionally. I was annoying our CEO for a while about how he needed to kind of get out there more and like, uh, you know, be active on LinkedIn, not just for the sake of posting things, but like, hey, you have an advantage here. You founded this company. Like, let's try to, to build on that advantage. And I think he was not really open to it at first, but I kept annoying him. And he saw other CEOs uh, that were, you know, getting themselves out there more. And I suggested that, hey, you should work with Dave Gerhardt. So before this announcement uh, for the, the actual partnership, uh, he was working with Dave uh, just on his own like executive presence on LinkedIn. And it was amazing because they hit it off right away. So I think that helped us get to a point where uh, he was open to uh, working with Dave and bringing him on in this partner capacity. And then uh, Dave offered it up uh, only to, I think, about five-ish companies. Uh, and there were some characteristics that he was looking for. So uh, B2B SaaS, uh, earlier stage, uh, companies that are being mentioned a lot in DGMG, his forum, which metadata has, and then uh, like a, a pain point that he's passionate uh, about, uh, which was how uh, time consuming and repetitive and mundane running paid campaigns is. So it was kind of the stars aligning. And then I think for what the partnership looks like, it's awesome because uh, Gil, our CEO, uh, has come around so much on storytelling and the need for storytelling uh, because he knows that storytelling uh, is uh, critical uh, in so many different ways and, you know, as a product marketer. Um, and we're really working with Dave on our strategic narrative and what that story is because the story is the strategy for metadata and it will manifest itself in every single thing that we do, not just in marketing, but in sales, CS, product engineering, you name it. That's super exciting to hear. And it's, like I said, an announcement that I've 
followed very closely on LinkedIn because again, you know, as you said, David's pretty much everywhere at this point. He's got quite the following for for a variety of reasons. I think he speaks very passionately about the topics that he's very knowledgeable in, and people often go to him for. Uh, advice, to participate in his community, uh, for opportunities, or just to learn and grow. So uh, shout out to him and to what he's doing over there. And, you know, I, I think you hit on something that, um, you know, the listeners might be wondering, you know, Mark, me, Mark, because mm-hmm. obviously there's two of us, you know, why <laughs> did you ask Mark from Metadata about uh, a partnership that doesn't seemingly have a lot to do with product marketing? And I think you kind of highlighted the point that there is a lot of product marketing um being at play here uh, as long uh, when it comes to that strategic narrative and that storytelling piece. Um, and it really shows kind of the, the, the stretch and the reach that product marketing can have in an org where these strategic partnerships can often involve people across product marketing org or just product marketing function from a strategic perspective. So yeah, exciting to see that partnership fold. And like I said, I'll be watching it super closely um, to see how that uh, evolves over time. Yeah, I'm excited. The other thing that I didn't mention is I get to annoy him with all my dumb questions on Slack too. So uh, that's uh, a part of the partnership that I value too. <laughs> yeah, right. I got a direct line to the source of knowledge. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's get into it there. We kind of touched on a little bit in just a previous question. Um, and that's, you know, product marketing is different at really any organization. There's obviously some elements that are pretty consistent across, depending on the size, the type of role or organization rather, or the industry. Um, but this is one of the first times, um, that I've seen brand and product marketing specifically being called out as a part of the same portfolio. Um, I think at some orgs it's just product marketing or it's just brand, or if they do both exist at the same org, they're kind of separate, both within the marketing umbrella, but run kind of independently with a lot of uh, close partnership. So I'm curious why metadata decided to bring those two things under one portfolio with you, um, you know, at the, at the uh, head of it. Yeah. So I would say a couple things and you can probably tell by now if I'm an open book, uh, I'm honest. So I'll give you my take here. So I, uh, I made the title up and I made the title up uh, intentionally. Uh, I'm not the first person to have this title. Uh, and I've seen other, um, I'd say B2B uh, marketers with this title that I respect. There's a few out there that have it. But the reason why was uh, I saw the need for this intersection between everything that, that we have been doing from a product marketing perspective and will continue to build on because there's so much more that we can do and brand. And it's really the intersection of the story. So like product marketing is owning the story and that narrative for metadata and the brand and everything that we're doing from, you know, a content perspective from our events, like obviously the the branding on the site uh, needs to reinforce that story. So it needs to stay super connected uh, to each other. So it feels like it's the same story and not just two different parts of metadata. Uh, so again, it's kind of a, a made up title that I, that I made up and proposed to Jason. Uh, he was down with it because he agreed with my rationale. And I do think that we'll see more, uh, my goal would be you'd see more people, uh, or marketing orgs kind of, uh, working hand in hand with brand and product marketing. So they're telling the same story and executing it well. Yeah. And I think you've totally justified why that's the case. And I appreciate your honesty and openness with, with, <laughs> and with our listeners about you coming up with the, the title yourself. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, a, a lot of uh, people, um, whether they're in marketing or the product marketer themselves, uh, you know, have a good understanding of kind of the differences between the two, but for those who kind of look at marketing from the outside, they might see product marketing and brand and think like, 
well, like, isn't that kind of the same thing? Or like, I know they're two different things by term, but like, don't they kind of do the same thing? So, you know, you kind of touched on it in your previous answer there, but I'm just curious if we could dive a little bit deeper on what you feel the similarities are and why, again, you've chosen to bring them together, but where mm-hmm. some of the differences lay and kind of, uh, of how they not necessarily depart, but where that line yep. kind of gets drawn. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. So I would say, let's start with the brand side first, because I think that's the easier side. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what brand, and you probably know this, but I'll tell you what uh, brand is uh, does not mean to me. It's not your logo. It's not the colors you use on your website. It's not your website. It's not all that stuff. I think brand is really your experience that you're having with a particular company. And that experience can come from marketing. It can come from sales, CS, uh, really every single facet of the company. So we are... Uh, I'll speak for myself. I'm maniacal about that because that is how uh, we can differentiate ourselves with our experience that we are um, like creating and delivering to our our prospects and customers. And then uh, I think what we are trying to do with brand is it it encompasses uh, events, it encompasses content, uh, it encompasses customer marketing, uh, and it encompasses you know the design and the, the branding side of things so there's a lot that lives underneath that right now i think uh for product marketing and kind of where that line ends i think it uh it's very collaborative in a sense that we are making sure that the and we just hired a, a senior product marketing manager alex burden uh who's awesome and then we hired a customer marketing manager uh, Preston Lamb uh, last month uh, as well. So we're kind of working as like, uh, I'd say a very, very tight knit like team. Uh, and you have to when you only have seven, but even more so when you're aligning uh, customer marketing, uh, your, uh, I'd say content marketing and your product marketing, uh, because it's, it all informs one another. So for us, um, it's more of executing, I think, a lot of the like pain points that we solve for and product marketing is positioning metadata in a way that, Hey, this is how metadata can make your life easier. And I'm, I'm simplifying it, but then all of the, the content and the events that we're putting on addresses all of those pain points that, you know, our product marketing, you know, positions. Yeah. I think that's, a, you know, obviously very wise choice on your part. And it really speaks to the fact that, you know, for, I think most modern, um, marketing teams, really the brand should almost be like the rallying point, right? It's, it's everything that everybody across our whole marketing org are, are working towards enhancing and then kind of beating the same drum. You know, I've worked at organizations where it felt a little bit segmented where you have, you know, this marketing team over here doing this work and this marketing team over here doing this work. And yeah, we're all working towards the same goals and KPIs, but that's very different than working, you know, towards this unifying brand experience. So it's exciting to see metadata kind of be very conscious about that. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's already starting to pay off even despite the fact that you said it's a small team and and only growing. Yeah, no, it's something that um, I think uh, it, it will be difficult to maintain as we scale. We are 100% focused on trying to keep this as we scale. Uh, we know it's going to be difficult, but I think for us, um, we've gotten really good feedback from like the market, our customers and our prospects that they are noticing this uh, because I don't think our direct competitors are doing this well at all. So it's helping us stand out in a sea of crowded uh, MarTech vendors. Yeah. And it's a C that's only getting more and more crowded every day. So obviously the earlier you can get on that differentiation, the, the better it's going to work out for you in the long term. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So on that topic then of the team that you mentioned, you know, being small, but mighty and growing, I'm mm-hmm. curious for someone who's in your role, 
there's a lot of conversation around what the first marketing hire should be. Obviously, if you ask a product marketer, they're like product mm-hmm. marketing. If you ask um, someone in content, they'll say content and so on and so forth. So I'm curious from your perspective, if someone um, is finding themselves in the position of building out the marketing team from scratch and they are marketing num- uh, hiring number one and they're looking yep. to hire marketing hire number two, um, who would you recommend uh, that that person be? Uh, so I'm going to go back to my marketing athlete uh, <laughs> term. So uh, I was hired as the second marketer uh, in August of 2020. And the title that uh, I was given when I was hired was a director of growth. I kind of laugh whenever I explain that because as a number two marketer, like the title doesn't matter because you're going to be doing so many different things. So I think if you're trying to make uh, that kind of first, uh, let's say, uh, hire uh, or the, the second hire that's going to be reporting into you, you're looking for somebody that, you know, is uh, capable of, you know, knowing quite a bit about a wide variety of topics, being able to go deep in a few topics, and then just has that attitude and that relentlessness that, you know, hey, I'd say 80% of what I do at metadata, I have not done before yet. I will go figure it out. So I think that trait is really important at an early stage startup because you don't really know what hire you need to make. Like you, you, you need to be out there in the market more. Like you need to learn more from your sales team. You need to learn more from product. Like there are so many other factors in play that I think the athlete role is probably the best hire to make because as you learn more about your needs and where the company's headed, then you can go and say, all right, the third hire is going to be a marketing ops person. The fourth hire is going to be a product marketer, like the sixth hire is going to be whatever. So it it kind of, uh, it's like almost (laughs) R and D if you will. And and one thing I really liked about your answer just now that I don't think I've heard many other people say is actually as the, you know, marketing lead going to the other teams and asking them, what do you need from the team that you're not getting right now? And in that case, the team being the one person, Mm -hmm. Uh, and where do you think we can kind of build that bench strength and hire more athletes as it were, that might be stronger in one area versus another. Uh, And I think, you know, that's probably a great way for the marketing team to build those stronger partnerships with sales and product, because you're, you know, kind of servicing your internal customers in a way by bringing on people that's going to help them do their jobs much easier. So I really like that perspective. And like I said, it's not one I've heard said very often. So I think you're kind of a trailblazer in that regard. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. And it's something that I think has, has, um, I, I don't want this to come across like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid because like, I, I truly, truly believe this, but the, the relationships that we've been able to build with our sales team, our CS team, uh, product engineering, like every function at metadata, um, it's unbelievable compared to previous companies that I've worked at. And I think a lot of it stems from like how we've been trying to service them as internal customers. Now, again, it's difficult to maintain that as we scale, but it's worked so well for us that we want to be very intentional about keeping those relationships in place and still working like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Relationships, incredibly important as a product marketer, um, you know, whether it's with your customers or internally, as you just said. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there, Uh, you know, on, on the topic of, brand and product marketing, you know, obviously, like you said, outside of your own role, brand doesn't really exist as like a, a lone title uh, at metadata. But for any product marketers who are listening um, to what you're saying and, and kind of exploring this relationship between brand and product marketing um, and might think, hey, you know, I'm really interested by what Mark's saying here. and I want to get more to the brand side of things. Do you feel there are any skills that a product marketer might possess that would allow them to step into a more brand-oriented role or to take on more brand-oriented thinking? Um, and what kind of skills can a product marketer kind of pursue to, to move along that path and, and start thinking more from a branding perspective and not just solely a product marketing one? 
That's a really good question. So the first thought that comes to mind is, and really, I think one of the biggest traits or uh, most important traits of really good product marketers is just writing capability. And uh, that translates so well to the brand side of things, because if you just think of uh, every communication that comes out from metadata, whether it's social posts or whether it's uh, email copy, whether it's onboarding emails, you know, the content that we create, you name it, like the writing is so important for us and the tone and the voice that we're using. Uh, so I think uh, having really good writing skills transfers perfectly. Um, I think the other thing is like just really understanding, like it sounds simple, but really understanding your audience at the end of the day. And unless you're a, <laughs> a bad product marketer, like, you know, of course you would think that, but there's so much that goes on um, kind of behind the scenes here that's really just uh, like focused on our audience and how well we know them and what makes them tick and what are they interested in? What, what do they find funny? What do they find annoying? Like those sorts of things, because you're kind of taking uh, the persona and like humanizing it and making sure that what uh, is coming out from the metadata brand, uh, you know, relates and resonates with that person. Now you don't have to speak to their, you know, exact pain points in the same way that, that a product marketer does, but I should know what, you know, you find funny, what references that you're going to get. Will you find this meme funny? Uh, will you find this pop culture thing funny? Like it's all part of the same. Yeah. And I think that that answer really speaks to, again, that perspective that metadata is taking and going beyond just building a persona, let's say, and having these identifiable traits and, and pain points and jobs to be done, you know, the terms that we find synonymous with building a persona and taking the next level of that, and to your point, think, thinking through the lens of like, what does our target audience find funny? Like that, again, that's something that I haven't heard a lot of our product marketers um, really verbalize and, and really build that personal relationship um, with their customers uh, in that same way. And I think that's, again, because you have that unique brand perspective on product marketing um, that allows you to do that. So, uh, you know, I really commend you for that. Cause again, like it's not something that I'm, I'm hearing other uh, B2B SaaS companies really, really doing. Um, there's a few, I, I think to call out one specifically, I think Clue does a really good job at that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. A, you know, I think they, they've got a fantastic team uh, building out their branding and their product marketing and everything that they're posting kind of speaks to exactly what their core audience is, uh, is probably feeling day to day. So yeah, they're another um, company that I call it doing a great job there. Yep. Yeah. And there's always, uh, there's a couple companies and I'm probably going to share names that you hear from every guest, but like old school drift, you know, when Dave was there building it, gong in a lot of ways of what they're doing. And then a few other kind of, I'd say up and coming like B2B SaaS companies that I'm mindful of. And I'm a big fan of stealing uh, as long as you put your own spin on it and make it better. Like all the ideas that we have, they're not original ideas. They're not like, we're not the the inventors of said idea, like I'll steal something and I'll put my own spin on it and make it better. But I kind of look to see what other companies are doing. Uh, and then B2C companies as well, uh, as we're trying to kind of build this thing. What I don't do is I'm not looking at our competitors at all. And that's intentional. Yeah. I think that lens of looking through what other B2C companies are doing too. I think there's a ton that um, B2B marketers can learn from, from B2C product marketers. Um, you know, there's a podcast, um, that I think Sharebird, Sharebird puts, uh, puts out, excuse me, 
um, specific to that um, uh, around B2C marketing, product marketing rather, and how um, there's a lot of learnings that, you know, your average B2B product marketer can take away from that. So yeah, I agree for any product marketer looking to try new things or, or get inspiration, look at some of the, the companies that you just mentioned, but also look at what some of those B2C companies are doing and what kind of uh, tips and tricks you can steal to your, to your um, spirit there um, and leverage for yourself. I couldn't agree with you more there. So I'm kind of at my second last question here, and I, I want to touch back on something that you had mentioned really early mm -hmm. on in our conversation, and that's this uh, partnership with, with Dave and kind of building the strategic narrative, but then also how that relates to the positioning and messaging side of things, which is obviously very close to what a product marketer does. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, um, at Metadata, do you find that, you know, as you're really on a strategic narrative, it's then influencing the positioning and messaging, or is it vice versa? What does that relationship look like? Because um, obviously it needs to be consistent, but is there mm -hmm. one having more of a say than the other? Is there one happening first? How does that kind of play out day to day? Yeah. So the honest answer is we are, are working through it right now. So I will tell you what I think is going to happen. And then maybe we'll do an episode another time. We'll have you on our podcast and I'll tell you if I was right or if I was way off. So, uh, we're working on the narrative right now. And my feeling is that the narrative is then going to inform the positioning and the messaging. Uh, we went through, um, I'd say kind of a, a fairly big positioning and messaging project at the beginning of last year. Um, it's not, uh, it, it may change drastically. It may not, we will see because it's, it's the messaging is, is much stronger than where it was a year ago, but it's not as connected to this, this story that we are building. So I think for us, we're using, like if you were to go on the website today, you'll see exactly what we do because it's focused on the present and what we can do today. Where the narrative focuses is, is not just what we can do today, but this is the world that we're trying to take you to. So here's what the future could look like. Now, it's awesome in a sales deck to kind of build context, but then how do you translate that and uh, to something that's understood and not confusing on your website and in the rest of your marketing? Uh, because people are not buying, you know, expensive software for future problems. They want to buy software for a problem that is, you know, causing hell in their life right now. Uh, so yeah, it's a balancing act, but I think it's going to inform the positioning and the messaging. Yeah, I'm excited to, to see how that plays out. Yeah, I would love to, to connect with you again in the future to see you know, what your learnings are, how that experience went. Um, you know, and I'm curious on that topic as well. Do you, are you kind of going into this, uh, this project, let's say, and with a timing of when that might get reviewed and how often you'd be updating it? I think obviously positioning and messaging is something within product marketing that we as product marketers accept should change on a regular basis. It should mm -hmm. kind of evolve with your product, your solution, your customers, the market, so on and so forth. But in going through this big project, do you already have your site set on like, okay, in one year's time, in two years time, in five years time, maybe not that long, but mm -hmm. when do we have to check back in and kind of reevaluate it and maybe redo this process again? Yeah. So I would say, and again, I haven't gone through this process before. So this is a, a, an educated guess, like most things that I do. I would say we're definitely going to be looking at this very regularly. And I think the timeframes that you mentioned uh, are even <laughs> a little too uh, like far out for me. Like we're going to be launching this in about two-ish weeks time. And we're going to be working with our sales team. We're going to be in Gong, setting up trackers. Like we're going to see what's landing, what's not landing. Like we've gotten input from uh, some of our customer advisory board members. We've kind of tested it out in some ways with prospects without outright telling them what we were testing out and just trying to get some initial feedback. And I think for us, 
this isn't something that can just, you know, be created by the CEO and marketing and it's presented once and it lives in a Google slide deck that never gets looked at. Like this is the story, it's the strategy, it's the company. So we need to make sure that it's, it's being used and it's being refined. And uh, I think we'll be working very closely with sales uh, over the next, you know, I would say two months, uh, just figuring out what's landing, what's not landing and how does this need to change? Yeah, and you know, on that note, before I move on to my next question here, how do you avoid that trap that I think a lot of product marketers fall into? And it's something that I know I've fallen into in my own career as well is you go mm-hmm. through that whole process of creating this new strategic narrative and this new positioning and messaging, whatever it might be. You put the presentation together, you share it with the org, and then it kind of just, to your point, lives in that deck mm-hmm. forever and doesn't get acted on and doesn't really live beyond it. What are you doing or what have you done in your career to make sure that that doesn't happen? Yeah, I think... Uh... The honest answer is I've made similar mistakes to, I think, what you just mentioned in past lives. And I think what makes it different here is that we have Gil Lush, our CEO, like leading this. And he is not just involved in it, but like he's leading this uh, with Dave and with us. So I think it's a little easier knowing that we have our CEO who's going to be leading this and it's kind of enforced from the top down. uh, Because if marketing was just doing this by themselves and rolled it out at a, you know, sales kickoff this year. And, you know, it was a great 30, 45 minute presentation and that's it. Like this would not be successful. So we're going to be certifying um, all of our go-to-market team on the narrative. Uh, We're going to be making sure that like everyone is trained on like every single facet of this narrative, because we can't be talking about metadata, you know, differently. And we are today. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's almost as you're speaking there made me think of like, you know, when you're a new hire, one of the first things you learn in an organization is like their values, right? What does the company stand for? And it sounds like when it comes to this new strategic narrative and the updated positioning messaging that will follow, it almost has to be regarded in the same light, right? Like every new hire is going to be taught Spot internally, on. right? Like I think that's kind of how it sounds like metadata is elevating that strategic mm-hmm. narrative. And I think that's great advice for others to, to kind of follow suit. It should be just as important as your company's values. Yeah, it, I it, couldn't articulate it any better than you did. I would just say that like, it's our mission and it's all part of the same mission. Yeah. hundred percent. Also, well, Mark, I could, you know, talk your ear off for probably a couple hours here about all things <laughs> brand and product marketing and the work that you're doing with Gabe, that I'm, uh, Dave, uh, rather that I'm super excited to, uh, to see um, in the next couple of weeks, as you said, said here. Um, but we are at our last question. And like I said, it's one I asked to all of my guests. Uh, and, you know, if you were given the choice to work for any company, be a product marketer or a brand and product, mar- uh, product marketing director um, for a product or service at the company, curious what you would pick and why. Interesting. I would say, I'm trying to not give a vanilla answer. Um, I would say, <laughs> this is a funny one, but I, like, I would say Comcast. And I'll tell you why. Everybody hates Comcast and has a, such a terrible experience with it. And there's no reason that it needs to be that bad. And I think if you truly looked at it from like a legit product marketing perspective, you could totally reposition how people view Comcast and their experience with it. Um, it wouldn't be easy by any means, but I think it'd be very stimulating. <laughs> yeah, I commend you for for picking a challenge. I, you know, I myself am here in Canada, so I don't have any direct connection with Comcast, but I've heard horror stories yeah. on podcasts. <laughs> online. All you all you hear is horror stories. Like why? Yeah. Like why is that the case? Like something's not not something's not right. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, speaking as a Canadian, I think there's a lot of similar sentiment towards our own telecoms here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think that's a, a general sentiment across uh, a lot of telecom companies. So yeah, I, hats off to you because that's a 
that's a real project <laughs> to take on. So, you know, if the, if the day ever uh, or if the opportunity ever presents itself, I'm sure you'd be more than capable yeah, ready. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, Mark, like I said, this has been great. Um, I'm sure, you know, you and I will keep in touch. Love to, again, see how this whole experience goes for you with this partnership with Dave and, and kind of what the re reactions are in market and how the rollout goes. Um, but uh, I'll let you go. For anybody who wants to kind of keep up to date on all things that you and the team are doing, how can they get in touch with you? How can they reach out? How can they keep an eye on all the great things happening over at Metadata? Yeah, for sure. I would say definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, follow Metadata on LinkedIn. Uh, I say that because we make sure that what we're posting from the company account is actually entertaining uh, and informative at the same time. So it's not just the, the generic vanilla stuff that everyone else puts out. And then uh, as far as communities go, uh, you'll see me in DGMG uh, and you might see me in Pavilion a little soon here. So uh, yeah, you know where to find me. Awesome. Very exciting. Well, again, thanks so much for your time, Mark, and I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Thanks for having me. This was fun. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. <laughs>